Welcome to Navigate Change, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm sitting here with Howard Teibel. Hello again, Howard. Good morning, Pete. Oh, it's always just so, so good to be with you on these things. How's the, how's the weather out where you are? Uh, well, you know, it's perfect. We've, it just uh, overnight, we, uh, we change. Are you out of the, um, are, are you out of the deluge? We are out of the deluge. That's got to be we nice. We have a beautiful day today. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it's made even more beautiful by uh, our special guest, once again, who is joining us, Rebecca Mazzone from Accounting Management Solutions. Welcome back, Rebecca. Thank you. Happy to be back. Always love spending time with both of you. Well, you're too kind. Look at that. She's so new, and yet she's, she's already... She's right in there. I know. <laughs> okay, so now that, I've, uh, now that I've got a good blush on, I'm ready to uh, move on with the show. Now, we're, we're, we're talking, but this is essentially part two of our uh, discussion last week on the balance scorecard. And, and last week... Uh, here's what was left. This is like the this is like the the apple skin in my teeth, right? We talked about the implementation of Balance Scorecard. We talked about what Balance Scorecard is and 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 its history and how it sort of evolved into being used as a management measurement tool. Now, the kind of data, the predictive data that you can, or information or wisdom that you can glean from the data that you're collecting. But I, you know, I as I understand it, Balance Scorecard is a quality system, and. I really want to know from you uh, experts in the field, how does an organization use the balance scorecard to improve? How do we use it to affect quality as we move toward, you know, this new uh, newfound alignment of strategy and mission to day-to-day activity? How, how do we do that? Who would like to start? Well, I'll just say that uh, we, last time we talked about that what's core about this is having senior leadership buy into it and actually own this. But ultimately, it's really about the vision of where the organization is going to go, what's the mission to get towards the vision, which then drives to what this whole conversation is about, which is to realize what does the institution need? And then what does the, we'll just call them divisions at this level, what do they need to be doing? It's almost like this roll up from the departments or actually the individual to the departments, to the divisions, to the institution, realizing this mission. So ultimately, the value of this is to truly translate actions into ways that make this vision and mission realized. So. That is the big picture that this is about um, translating into. And, you know, I think Rebecca can speak to what that means at the different levels in the organization. Perfect. Well, I think when we think about this from an operational perspective, it's very easy for senior leadership to look at a mission statement and to come up with a three or five year strategic plan. Yeah, what's your mission statement? <laughs> See, I don't, we well, don't know our mission well, statement. That's the point. You come up with a mission statement that's, for three to five years and nobody thinks about it again for how long? Three exactly, to five years. Exactly. Well, and one of the challenges is even if even the senior leadership going through the process of the three to five year strategic plan, do the individuals at every level of an organization know what that three to five year plan is? Never. And so the challenge is if you really want to affect change at any organization, you have have to ensure that everyone at every level knows what it is that you expect them to do differently, right? That's okay. how you really right. affect change. So this is this so, is the nuclear option, right? I mean, the change that you have to affect really has to be big enough and broad enough at the first stroke 
that everybody really thinks about it, that it becomes front of mind awareness, not back of mind awareness, right? Right. Is that yeah. what Balanced Scorecard delivers? If it is implemented throughout the institution, absolutely yes. Okay. So it is, it is the, the concept of if you really expect that, for instance, you are going to save money. So one of your, it, it, this wouldn't be a strategic objective, but one of the objectives within the strategic plan is to try to get your cost structure a little more under control. You're not going to be able to do that unless you tell the individual person that orders the paper, for instance, that one of the expectations is that we cut our cost of office supplies by 5%. So that's a very simplified example, but I can set budget expectations. I can set expectations for change or increase in revenue growth, but it's not going to actually happen unless the the individuals at every level really understand how does this affect me and what does this what do I need to do on and a day-to-day -day basis? What's great about what Rebecca's saying is in, in the real world, what happens is each department or division sort of has their interpretation mm -hmm. of what they need to do to do the right thing by the organization, but they're really flying by the seat of their pants. Mm -hmm. They're making up what it means to, to reduce costs, it's, but it's not based on here's what the institution is looking to achieve. This is what we expect of the different areas. So what doesn't happen is it doesn't filter its way down so that there's an understanding, as Rebecca was saying, that the purchaser understands what's expected of them. Well, you know, that's a really good point, Howard. I mean, it sounds like we, we talked, I, I can't remember, it was probably three, four weeks ago, we talked about the art and craft of the middle manager, right? And, and why it's important to have this middle manager who is really good at translating issues. Uh, the, the importance of this, it sounds like to me, is that if you're going to implement site-wide or, or institutionally, as Rebecca had said, you have to create tacticians or people who think tactically, not strategically, because you can say strategically we're going to reduce our, our we're going to reduce costs, but unless you think tactically or about how reducing costs affects my office supply budget, you're not going to make any headroad at all. That's a great point, and the bound scorecard is a mechanism to translate strategy into tactics. I mean, wouldn't you agree that that really is the bottom line of what it does? It enables people to look at a strategy and say, this is how I'm going to contribute to realizing that strategy, and this is what's expected of me. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that, that we've talked about in the past in one of our prior presentations is if you look at, you know, even something like a bond rating for higher education or for any institution that's involved in issuing bonds, when, dis when, when coming up with a bond rating, they are looking at many different facets of an organization from um, students coming in the door to the financial structure and the financial health of the organization. So if one of the measures at the institutional level is to improve or maintain a bond rating, 
then ideally you would have a scorecard that looks at the finance department and has some financial measures that need to be maintained or improved upon. And then you look at the admissions department and there are measures related to the admissions department and student enrollment and attrition and then the financial aid department. So everyone has different components and a different way to really participate in the organization achieving and contribute to realizing that goal. Exactly. And that really is what this is all about is it's different levels of scorecards that ultimately are all linked together to achieve the institutional objectives. So as you go throughout the organization, there are very different and much more specific objectives on the individual departmental scorecards. Okay, so I've got a pedestrian question, right? How does Balanced Scorecard go about helping an organization determine what those metrics are that you're going to measure? I mean, is there any, uh, is there, what sort of guidance is there to, to determining what the important measurements are? Or does that just come from institutional awareness that XYZ is important? Well, it comes down to the organization first determining what the key measures are relative to what they're trying to do, and then setting targets, and then measuring actual performance against those targets. So that's one piece of it. Uh, The other piece of this, too, that has to do with people lining up is how people perform at the individual level. So what's your thought of this, Rebecca? Well, and I think even even before that is really how is it that you decide what what is most important to put on the scorecard? Yeah. Um, and I think the challenge has to be that if you if you think about an organization and the mission, they usually have key activities, key programs, as we'll call them, that really are ultimately the activities that they do on a day-to-day basis that help them to achieve their mission. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, they're centered around the people that they serve. And the challenge is really looking at each of those key functional areas and asking the question, what is the one or possibly two things that ultimately drive whether or not you are successful. So it is not about how many students graduate. It is about how many students graduate with a, you know, a certain GPA or how many students graduate and ultimately go directly into work upon graduation. So it's really getting at the quality and not just the quantity of what you're providing. Yeah, and the thing that Rebecca is speaking to, and I'm just going to reiterate this because I think this is so critical, is this idea of prioritization. There are so many things that one can focus on. And I think what we don't do as good a job as we should, either in helping institutions or in them doing it, is stepping back and going, yes, you can be measuring these 20 things. But as Rebecca just said, what are those one or two things that if you do them extraordinarily well, will impact your organization, allow you to meet your strategic goal? And for the most part, when you ask that question, People pause because they don't know the answer right That's away because they're not right. being asked that question. Absolutely. They're, they're basically creating inventories of all the things they do. And that next layer that Rebecca's talking about is the missing piece, as Shel Silverstein talks about in his book. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's, uh, that makes much more sense than it did when we started. Um, the... the um, Hang on, I'm sorry about the break. I'm looking for a specific note in this document that I think is important. 
and I cannot find it. You realize who Shel Silverstein is, right? Oh yeah, Light in the Attic. Um, Missing Peace. You ever read that book? Missing Peace. He wrote the uh, uh, the lyrics to a boy named Sue. Um, okay. Um, well, um, clearly I can't find that. So okay. So let's take a, a, a step back here to the end. Uh, the the middle manager, somebody who has a, is a staff leader, uh, who is handed uh, this task to to build a list of metrics that they want to to both quantify and more importantly, qualify for their staff. Uh, how do they communicate this to uh, to end users? Is there? I mean, we we've said the word scorecard a whole bunch. What does that look like? Is it a is it a uh, is it an online tool? Is it a is it a single page that people can use to watch their own performance over time? On on what level? What basis? Uh, how often do they do that? How often do you recommend uh, you're talking to your employees about these things? That's a great question. Um, I'll start out with the attorney's answer, and that is it depends. Um, I think it's really important to understand that there is no right or wrong way to design your scorecard, but you ultimately have to do, keep in mind the end user. So I have some organizations where my end users, for instance, in the finance department, are very comfortable with looking at one single page uh metrics with a bunch of percentage ratios on it because they can look at numbers and understand what they mean. I have other organizations that are much smaller. And for instance, when we go to talk to board members, especially where they don't have a financial background, our entire dashboard is or scorecard is it presented in pictures. It's all um, graphs and pie charts because ultimately what is most important is that I find a way to effectively present information to whatever audience it is. So I think it really depends on your audience. Um, ultimately, the goal has to be to call to action. So what I mean by that is if you look at a bunch of numbers, whether they be, um, you know, ratios or what have you on one single page of paper, it becomes very difficult without spending a great deal of time looking at any individual number and, and looking at how those numbers are changing over time to really understand where you should focus. So one tool that's very effective is to use a color coding system so that you can really see where I'm meeting my objectives. For instance, the boxes are green and where I'm not meeting my objectives, the boxes might be yellow, indicating that there's a, a possible issue on the horizon or read where things are not going well, because that can be an effective way to trigger action. You can focus on the items that are, you know, turning from green to yellow to red. So it, you know, I think it really depends upon the size of the organization as well as the individual end users. The thing about that, I would add onto that, that, because I think that what Rebecca said in some ways seems so common sense and it's almost so simple, but the truth is it has such great impact because it's this is all about simplicity and as she just said, reaching the audience. The other piece of this is uh, that we've talked about before is this idea about understanding what it is at the individual level people need to have skill-wise and behavior-wise and that's what this also can drive into. So for example, if we've got a 
institutional scorecard that says this is where we need to be to achieve our mission. And then we've got our divisional scorecard that focuses on how it's going to support the institution. At the individual level, there are behaviors and actions that people need to exhibit. Absolutely. And that is the piece where you can actually put 360 work in context to the scorecard. I see a lot of institutions that uh, do 360s. And it helps people know what they need to be doing and not doing. But you actually can have that become the basis for what these departments need to produce for their divisional scorecards that then feed into the highest level. So the piece that I think that's really unique about scorecards, if you do it well, is how you can actually tie it all the way down to the individual who needs to be behaving either in a leadership capacity a certain way or uh, having a certain kind of skill set. And that can get revealed through doing 360s. You know, I'm so glad you said that, uh, Howard, because it feels like this is that's sort of what's right under the covers here, uh, which is that if you're looking for a, for a, a continuous quality initiative using balanced scorecard, what you're really talking about is, you know, it sort of boils down at its lowest lowest level to new training initiatives. But that's not that that's sort of oversimplifying it. I mean, what is the difference in context between building an organization that is well trained and building a learning organization? Which that's, a, that, that's so interesting, Pete, because I think we confuse training with learning, and then we assume because we like to make things so simple that we'll take we'll figure out what people need develop some training around it and that will give them what they need when in fact there are some certain core skills that 360s can help reveal and that in many ways should be the foundation for what people need some of its collaboration some of it has to do with how they effectively work in meetings and that's not something you typically get in a quote-unquote training program. So I think historically we've used training in a, in a way that's much too narrow. And it's, it, it attempts to say it's almost like professional development, Absolutely. but it's out of context. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's one thing to hear something, to go to a training and, and see someone do something, they tell you how you should do it. It's completely different when you actually go back and get to start applying those exactly. concepts because it's really the application and the trial and error that help you to learn. And that's really the difference between training and learning. So, so this thing that we, that we were talking about at the 360 level uncovers what learning is necessary that will contribute to the divisions, and then the institution to realize this objective. So in that way, it ties it all together. It really does. It brings it back to the initial question. How does an organization use Balanced Scorecard to improve, provided it's implemented, and I'm saying that with you know italicized caveats, implemented system-wide, continuous, continuous visibility of what is being measured, and continuous measurement allows you to build a learning plan, not just a training plan. Mm. How's that? Did I sum it up well enough? You did. A Go ahead. Absolutely. And I was going to you know, add into that that the setting of the goals, because ultimately, a if a scorecard is simply a measure of how we have actually done toward our key measures, it is not going to be as effective as if we then set goals for future years. And so it's really measuring ourselves against the goals that we set and making sure that those goals are 
a stretch, but also realistic so that it really allows you as an organization to really strive to do better. That's perfect. There you have it. An- another week of, of fun with the balanced scorecard on Navigate Change. That was great, you guys. You did a terrific job boiling that down for me. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Rebecca Mazone from amsolutions.net, um, uh, Accounting Management Solutions. Um, anything else? Uh, you would, How can people find you if they have more direct questions, Rebecca? Uh, my contact information is on our website, so at amsolutions.net, and there is also a lot of information on this topic as well as fi- other finance-related topics as well. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you for your time and participation today. Howard, it is always a pleasure. We'll do it again soon, Pete. Let's let's go ahead and do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you want to find out more about Tybalink, please uh, go to our website, tybalink.com. You can learn more about Howard, learn more about the podcast, subscribe, get all this great information that you could, all, all the information you could ever want about uh, change teams uh, and, uh, and imp- continuous improvement. Uh, uh, so on behalf of all of us here, thank you for joining us another week of Navigate Change. Mm-hmm.